When you're fed up with fighting food and your body, join us here. I'm Ali Shapiro, creator of the Truce With Food program and your host for Insatiable, where we explore the hidden aspects of fighting our food, our weight, and our bodies, and dive deep into nutrition science and true whole health. Fair warning, this is not your parents' health care. This is a big rebel yell to those who crave meaning, hunger for truth, and whose lust for life is truly insatiable. Believe me, freedom awaits. Hello, 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 insatiable listeners and our community here. I hope you have all been doing well while Insatiable's been on break. It's so good to be back. Given the times we are living in, so much has happened. And as one of my clients said, there has been an explosion of truth. Explosion of truth. Yes, there has. Before I get to how this will influence the season of Insatiable, I wanted to give you two important updates. First, you now know we have a new opening and closing. It better reflects where the show has evolved during times of rapid transition, which we will be living in for the foreseeable future. It's of the utmost importance. You have your eyes wide open. What we think of as, quote, normal, whether it's calories in, calories out, or allowing your doctor to dismiss your pain, normal's falling away. And again, this isn't a bad thing. If it was working, we wouldn't have a problem, would we? The big problems we have can be big opportunities if we don't become victims of this change. Change can make us stronger and reveal our power, or we can let it overwhelm us and stay on the, quote, normal path. There is always a choice. And I want Insatiable to be a resource for you to get to your truth. As you reclaim agency with your body, a fire gets lit inside you to take risks and be a co-active participant in what you create, not only with your health, but in your life too. Your truth is potent medicine. So Insatiable will continue to be and amp up how to have your eyes wide open to liberate yourself. Second, I'm moving the show to a season's format. Each season will have a theme and the topics and interviews will incorporate that theme. There will be a break in between seasons with rebroadcasts like I did this time. Many of you emailed me saying how helpful it was to listen to certain episodes again as it helped you learn more deeply. So I'm happy to hear that. Okie dokie. Now on to our theme for season two. Drum roll. Like those acoustics. (laughs) Our theme is the feminine perspective. By feminine perspective, I mean that the world's default is male. The deeper I search and read, the more I see everything is coded in patriarchy, even the scientific method. We'll be talking to Angela Sini about her book Inferior, which gets into how science has gotten women wrong, mainly because we were left out of the science or we were viewed as inferior. So for women, as Dr. Polly Young-Eisendroth, the author of Women in Desire, who will also be on this season of Insatiable, says, we as women have to trust our own experiences and come to everything, spiritually and religion as well, knowing the data and stories don't fully encompass our experiences. This is what I advocate for with my clients and in Truce with Food, which is starting the first week in February, experimentation. Because literally, the answers you need, and you'll need 
quite a few aren't out there yet. (laughs) Not only have women as a gender been left out, but the feminine qualities associated with the yin archetype, like emotions, darkness, depth, looking into the depths, have been completely devalued or ignored. For more information on the yin archetype and its qualities and patterns, check out episode five of Insatiable. I get way more into them as this was what my master's thesis was on. We traditionally put health and life into a hero's journey, which is making us more masculine. Masculine, that was an interesting twang, masculine, which really what we need to heal is a heroine's journey or healing the yin archetype to integrate the feminine. And this is true for men as well. Again, episode 55 explains in greater detail about the masculine and feminine archetype, or for my yogis, the yang and yin archetypes and the patterns that they create. I have long said that what affects us as much as the media or stories we see is the media we don't see. Related to health and beauty, we see thin, white, young, beautiful, wealthy women as the standard for health. We see expensive juicers, complex lab tests, and retreats as what is required to fix us. We see drug commercials as the answer to our increasing diagnoses. This is not the whole story or even close to the truth. In fact, our conventional ideas of health and beauty, at least here in the U.S. and where it's spread, (laughs) from a series of nesting dolls shaped by a hyper-masculine and wounded feminine. As I discovered, and I teach my clients to discover, medical information and the media are first coded in the biggest nesting doll as conventional ideas of health and beauty. But if you open up that nesting doll, inside you get capitalism, which needs to make you feel broken or not enough so you keep buying stuff. It also, yeah, (laughs) determines who has time and resources to access, right, what we need for health. Then the next nesting doll is white supremacy. This year since the election, I've been trying to understand racism more. And what I've learned is it's, it's as much about, you know, this color of our skin and also as much about power dynamics. Who has ownership? Who has access to clean air, clean water, to healthcare, right? Who has a voice? Who's being considered at the table? What lenses are there? I obviously still have a long, long way to go. But what I've learned so far in this year of my studying has been an eye-opening experience as much as my health awakening. And I'm sure it will continue to be as I get deeper into it. I'm still on a steep learning curve with race, as you can imagine, being a white person and trying to see the water that I'm swimming in, the fish in water, since everything, the same way the default is male, it's the default is whiteness. But I'm going to leave what I mean as white supremacy as power dynamics in terms of wealth, ownership, and access, right? So again, who has access to resources? Who doesn't? And when you open up the doll inside white supremacy, you get patriarchy, which made a hierarchy at all and put men over women. Even in Buddhism and Hinduism. Yes, for us religiously homeless yet spiritually inclined folks, even our spiritual traditions have seriously serious male biases. All of our quote normal, and I put that in quotes, ideas are trapped in this matrix. I want to give you a very easy idea of how this affects healthcare. Andrew Carnegie, who was an industrial businessman that grew to great wealth by exploiting workers and making Pittsburgh a place with one of the highest cancer rates in America, 
by polluting the city with his still business, was also part of a process that shut down natural medicine research in hospitals at the turn of the century, at the turn of the 20th century. So it would have been like 1900s era. I always get confused how they like jump a hundred years, whatever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It's a long nuanced story. And I will put a link to more of this detail of this article that, that goes into depth of this story in the show notes for this season too. But in effect, his foundation helped create what was known as the Flexner Report, which was his friend, who was a white male dude, evaluate if homeopathic, osteopathic, eclectic healing methods were sound. And again, eclectic was because these studies were being done by women and people of color. Again, the default was male and white. (laughs) So in essence, this report catalyzed a standardization of medical care that would lead to the shutdown of many of the holistic approaches to health. And many of those holistic schools admitted women and African-Americans. All the while, the education they proposed was quite costly and much longer. So not only were they shutting down these hospitals, but in standardizing medical care. Yes, medical care is not standardized. We are wonders, not widgets. But to make money, they had to standardize the medical care. And there's more detail about that, but I don't want to go too off on a tangent. My point is just I want you to see some of these nesting dolls. So in this education that they were proposing, it became very costly and a lot longer. So this made medicine more exclusive and less accessible to minorities, women's, immigrants, and working class Americans, right? Because who has the most time and the most money and can take that big of a risk? It's At that time, it was only white males. So this played into patriarchy and white supremacy hierarchy of power dynamics of both gender, race, and class. As a result, we really lost out on different viewpoints and research interests by everyone who isn't mostly a rich white man. Now, you may be saying more women, immigrants, and minorities, and medicine. You may be saying that medicine is now filled with women, immigrants, and minorities. And yes, I agree. However, the design and education of medicine hasn't changed and is still influenced by this standardization in the lens of history. So we're still viewed as widgets that can be solved in a 15-minute appointment. That has not changed. So part of why clients feel our work is so liberating is not only do they learn what works for them, which is never what they've been taught, because it's not even close to the whole story, but they can also see how the conventional health systems are broken. It's not them that needs to be fixed. It's the system that needs to change. They aren't crazy. The system is. And I can give you examples of, you know, I even think of pharmaceutical drugs, right? That's a very conventional path. And look, sometimes medicine works. That's what makes this quite a matrix because sometimes these things do work. But if you look that these drugs are very expensive, they actually, a lot of taxpayer dollars fund medicine, (laughs) these drug discoveries, and then they sell them off to companies who then charge a lot of money and sometimes people don't have access. But it's filled through a capitalistic lens. Oh, we're only going to study that which we can make a lot of money on. So a lot of health issues don't even get studied because they can't make a wonder drug to appeal to the masses. But this also influences how we view things, right? Cholesterol was made a boogeyman because you could target cholesterol versus we know in reality, heart disease is multifactorial and people have die of heart disease who have low cholesterol, but it's easier to market it if we target one thing to make a lot of money on it. 
then if you look at drugs in terms of white supremacy, I would say this is a big access issue. White people have better access to healthcare, to better healthcare. And usually people who of the ownership class, right, which tend to be minorities and also women because haven't been paid for emotional labor or, or get paid less on the dollar and also haven't been in the working world for hundreds of years are less likely to have access right? And then if you look at the last nesting doll of, ca- of patriarchy, right? It, drugs are often this misappropriated version of nature. Most drugs are mimicked off of what happens in nature. They beef it up. They make it so potent. They pull it out of the system with which in it works. And it may work in the beginning, but oftentimes there's long-term effects. And that is the metaphor of humans thinking that they can dominate nature, thinking that they can just take things from its root and it will still work. So that's another example of, of these nesting dolls. So again, lost in these nesting dolls is the feminine perspective, which includes, quote, unquote, the other. So not just women, but minorities, people who are always different than the, than the norm. And so we're going to start to fill it in this season so you can get a more complete picture of your body and health and what works for you. Because we don't have time for women and the evolved dudes to be doubting themselves or not at 100%. There is work to do. You need to start experimenting and thinking outside the box as it's the only way to your most clear truth. And as one of my favorite quotes, I'm paraphrasing, Malcolm Gladwell says, maybe if everyone needs to think outside the box, it's the box that needs changed, right? So as someone who's gotten pretty credible results working with clients over 10 years, and again, they do most of the work. I just guide them and and offer consultation. I promise you there is no formula. That's the obstacle and the path. Let me repeat that. That's the obstacle and the path. Your truth is the medicine. I want this season to help you challenge what you think about what you've been told and light your own path. I picked this topic because the feminine perspective is already being unleashed. If you follow me on Instagram, at Allie M. Shapiro, you know I was at Ellen's 12 Days of Giveaways. It was a blast. And if you go on Instagram, you can see what I won and how I got to go not once but twice to Ellen in 2017. As we were driving to the airport to leave LA, I saw the fires in the mountains in Los Angeles. It was quite an experience. So devastating and also so full of awe. Now, granted, I didn't see anyone's homes being burnt. I didn't see people fleeing and animals fleeing, but I just saw nature. It was a scene full of awe as I looked up from the news that the, Me Too, that the hashtag MeToo movement, which was started by Tarana Burke 10 years ago, was selected as Time's Person of the Year. And the movement picked up steam this year when famous white women, read Beautiful, Thin, and Wealthy, had had enough. For reference, Tarana is black and an activist. And I note this because we have to start listening to women of all colors, shapes, and sizes, and economic status from the beginning. We don't have time to wait for justice anymore. And I want to give Tarana credit Her story of why she started this movement is so moving and powerful, and it's important to give people credit for their ideas. Part of white supremacy is misappropriating and just thinking we can take what we want, you know, take things from their source and their roots, and they're not as potent when we do that. So as I'm seeing these fires, the parallels of Mother Earth doing what she needs to do to balance out how she's been taken advantage of, and women coming together to said what needs to be said to balance out the patriarchal powers that have been taken advantage of all of us 
men included, men do not benefit from the system, is quite a metaphor, don't you think? And I thought about how the climate crisis isn't some future thing. It's here. More frequently, we're getting hit with fires, hurricanes, and earthquakes. Warmer temperatures mean more viruses and bacteria that aren't getting killed in the cold, which means more cold and flus. Weight gain and disease is caused by inflammation. Our bodies are literally on fire, just like the earth. All the while, Monsanto, Bayer, and DuPont assault us with their big agriculture chemicals and deplete our soil, compromising our immunity. I saw the Washington Post had Bayer-sponsored content about the future of farm technology, and I put technology in quotes because that means pesticides, but they're trying to use the innovative meaning we are all associating with technology right now. There's nothing innovative about trying to overpower Mother Nature with chemicals to will her into submission for shareholder growth. As my dad says, Mother Nature always has the last at bat. She will go on, but will humans be deemed biologically necessary for continued evolution? I'd say the jury's still out. So there is already incredible pressure on our bodies and psyches. Pressure isn't necessarily a bad thing. Fire strips things down and gets us closer to truth. We can build resilience if we choose to embrace challenges. And resilience is freedom because it means you can take chances, take risks, and bounce back and learn how to get stronger each time. We can also remember and discover how much power we have to create our lives and make an impact as we exfoliate and slough off the weight of the patriarchy behind. But I truly still feel (laughs) this can go either way. Yes, the patriarchy is on fire and it's burning down. But as Autumn Brown said, she's a host, a co-host on How to Survive the End of the World, and a podcast I'm really enjoying now, definitely check it out if you can, is she said, we are in the battle of imagination right now. And I loved that metaphor. So thank you, Autumn, for that. What does healthcare, wellness, and body agency and life look like when we are no longer restricted and squeezed into these nesting dolls? It's more important than ever that you understand what's true for your body so you can come out of this transition deconditioned so we don't recreate the same mess. More clear and resilient so you feel more confident to take risks, to use your voice, to feel confident in your body, and free to create the ideas that will make a more inclusive impact in only the way you can. This is my big why of why I created Truce with Food. It's physical, emotional, soul, and systems and structures medicine. (laughs) I hope this season propels you into discovering the radical truth for every body, which starts with yourself. Thank you, Health Rebels, for tuning in today. Have a reaction, question, or want the transcript from today's episode? Find me at alishapiro.com. I'd love if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts And tell your friends and family about Insatiable. It helps us grow our community and share a new way of approaching health in our bodies. Thanks for engaging in a different kind of conversation. And remember, always, your body truths are unique, profound, real, and liberating. Mm